0: So, one of my leadershipologies is that the thing is never about the thing, that everything, two words, is about one word, everything. Mm-hmm. So, what's important for us to understand is that when it comes to habits, you have to decide what side of life you're gonna be on. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, in athletics, we understand in every game, it doesn't matter, if it's football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter what the game is, there's winners and losers. And so there's a win column and there's a lose column. And a lot of people, it's not like the question is not so much about uh, how long does it take to form a habit. It's like, how long does it take you to decide you want to win?
1: Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is Keith Kraft. Keith is the founder and lead pastor of Elevate Life Church, a non-denominational church in Frisco, Texas. Over the last 30 years, he has spoken in the world's largest business seminars, Fortune 1000 companies, and educational institutions. He has shared the stage with John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, former U.S. presidents, and Super Bowl champions. Keith is a leader, coach, speaker, author, and transformationalist, and Keith impacts thousands of people around the world every year, and you will be impacted by Keith's words today. Get out a pen and paper because the nuggets are going to fly from this brilliant communicator's mouth. As always, please take time to rate, review, and especially subscribe to this podcast so that every new episode will get pushed to your phone automatically each week, and you will help spread the impact that I hope to make through this podcast. Enjoy. Keith, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. This is something I've looked forward to for such a long time, and I can't wait to introduce you to the listeners that haven't heard of you
0: or seen your work before. And the ones that have are in for a treat as well. Oh, well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you and heard so many great things about you and not only your professional career, but you're just really your stand for Christ. And uh, just thank you for being that kind of guy, you know, right. that, uh, that doesn't separate the two. So many people separate their personal life and their professional life, and there really is no separation. You are who you are, you know. So it's an honor to be with you.
1: Man. I, I truly appreciate that. And and living a truly integrated life is something I've strived for. It, it's not always a hundred percent, but that's something I strive for is just to be the same person no matter where I'm at. That's it. And live by the same values all the time. But this, this is not about me. This is about you. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So for those that can't see Keith right now that are, that are simply just listening on the podcast, he's six foot six. He's, 60 years old, and he's still jacked. Let's start off off as a kid growing up. What type of athlete were you? What sports you play?
0: You know, I I was an athlete, and it was just picking, honestly, what I was most passionate about. The only thing that didn't come natural for me is golf. It's the great equalizer and tennis. So those two sports are like – you know, I, I've seen some of your Instagram and you have a great golf swing and you must be a great golfer. So now I don't have any excuse. I thought, well, maybe it's my muscularity. Well, maybe I
1: was, was going to say it's hard to be known as the Bishop of biceps and be a good golfer. They don't go hand in hand.
0: Well, you know, that's been my excuse right No, but, uh, but seriously, um, that's one of the things I teach when I coach people is to find out what your gifting is. And then how do you decide, what to do It's based mm. on what you're most passionate about so for me football long story short that was like drinking water to me catch throw kick it was natural but what was more of a challenge and what I became actually more passionate about on a personal level was basketball so I kind of pursued basketball in high school and uh, then went to college on a basketball scholarship and then it was my junior year in 1981 that I get this letter from a guy by the name of Gil Brandt. Well, I knew Gil Brandt was because he was famous in Dallas uh, as vice president of player personnel for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm this junior in college. I get this letter. I almost thought it was a joke from the Dallas Cowboys organization. Here I am playing basketball in college, and he says, we want you to come for a tryout. And I said, what? I, I couldn't believe it. So wow. I started having conversations with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is this is 1981, okay. So I started having these conversations with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, my senior year, I go try out. And again, I'm a basketball player now. So 6'6", 240 at that point, ran a 4,540, bench pressed 450 pounds. Wow. They couldn't believe it. Like they were like, you're playing basketball? I said, yeah. I mean, I just like basketball. So, I mean, almost on the spot, they signed me to be a tight end. And again, With long story short, it's without going into it because I don't want that to take up our whole time. Um, The NFL had its first strike. And so there were a lot of guys that were like me that were not, I wasn't drafted. I was just recruited by the Cowboys. And but way back then, you might remember the movie um, about the Philadelphia Eagles. What was it called? like I can't remember what it was. Anyway, that the, the Philadelphia the Eagles picked it was about up
1: the, try, same, the tryout yes. guy that made the team, and he was covering yeah. kicks and all that.
0: Right, with with uh, Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg started. I can't remember what the name of the movie was, but anyway, the the bottom line is they they got that from the Cowboys. They got that whole concept because the Cowboys were getting that they weren't recruiting at that time football players. They were trying to find the best athletes in America and go after them. So they had a history of that. So anyway, long story short, I made the team. NFL strike happened. I was cut from the team and just didn't go back, you know. And and because, like I said, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a passion because I was an athlete. But it was like I really did want what God wanted for my life. And I thought, hey, God opened the door and God closed the door. And so um, that kind of just set my course. I felt a call to ministry when I was nine years old and I always served God, loved God. And I told Tom Landry on a conversation with Gil Brown, I said, I just want you to know, I said, football's number one for me. I said, God is. And if I come to the Cowboys, that's, that's the way it'll be. And he said, we're good with that. You know, we want that. We actually want that. So back in the day, you know, that's, that's Tom Landry. Right. And uh, so anyway, here, here's the thing. I thought, well, I played college basketball. I had this door door open for football. The Philadelphia Eagles, interestingly enough, reached out to me and five other teams, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, just because of my athletic, uh, you know, gift. I mean, again, back then, now it's different today, but back then, four five forty four hundred fifty bench, per, you know, bench press and six foot six was a prototype, especially for a tight end in the NFL. You know, so anyway, I just didn't pursue it anymore. And uh, just got, it, got involved with ministry, became a youth pastor. And then, long story short, I was a youth pastor, and, um, and I hosted a team called the Power Team. These guys are defeats of strength. And so this was 19, basically 1985, and I had them come to a little old town, Sherman, Texas. The leader of that team said, man, you're the kind of guy we're looking for, you know? So yeah. anyway, I joined the Power Team. And so my athletic career continued because basically it was ex-pro athletes on on some level or very high-level athletes that were a part of that that could do feats of strength. And that's what started my journey with with really God using my athleticism because I thought, why would God give me these athletic gifts if if he didn't want me to use it somehow? So anyway, I traveled literally all over the world with the power team for a few years and started my own organization in 1987 called Strike Force. And in the process of that, you know, that kind of brings us up to, you know, I've just never, I've never laid down the weights. I've always had a gym in my house. Um, So this is a funny story. After, after I was cut, if you can call it that, I mean, released from the Cowboys. um, uh, My best friend to this day is a guy named Scott Uncleback. Scott, he raised a, a Navy SEAL for a son and a doctor. Who's a psychologist for a daughter? So very sharp guy. Right. He's in the gym with me, and um, and just to kind of put it in perspective, and you'll appreciate this as a former professional athlete. But that day we loaded 525 on the bar. This was after after the guy was going. I'd never done a steroid in my life, and I'd always you know been around 450. But it, it just got where it was almost like normal. That that day it was about. Three weeks after I was coming to the Cowboys, I bench pressed 525 pounds for three times. Ooh. And so even today, that I think that would be strong in the NFL. But, but so that was that was the strongest that I ever was. And then I kind of, you know, just continued to work out, but wasn't pressing it. You know, wasn't pressing it like I'd been pressing it and training up to the time that the Cowboys, that the tryout with the Cowboys and all of that. But, uh, but still to this day you know, bench press 400 plus and, you know, I'm 61 years old and just in good shape. And it's, you know, it's, it's spirit, soul, and body, you know, we're, our, our body's the temple of God. And I treat it like that. And, uh, I'm not crazy nutritionally. I've got some friends like Steve Weatherford that are, he's, he's like, he's like, he's like on it, you know, but I eat right, exercise, you know, do cardio, hit cardio every day and work out about four times a week. And, that's kind of the, that's kind of the history of the athletic, you
1: know, so. Yeah, our our, gr- our group is, uh, our group of listeners have been introduced to Steve Weatherford. They were extremely impressed with his passion and he brings passion to everything. So when he brings passion to nutrition, he's going to go you know, all the way in with his Hulk juice and his <laughs> set and all that. That is extremely yeah. fascinating about the Cowboys. I've read your book. I've heard you on podcasts. I've heard your sermons. I haven't heard that full story before. Absolutely yeah. fascinating to me. And you see that more and more. I remember back in the day, the Cowboys were signing track guys because they were just You're looking right. for the right. fastest, the biggest, the strongest. And, That's it. And, brother, you talk about 525 for three. I played with offensive linemen who were good players. Yeah. You know, seven, eight, nine years in the league that couldn't bench three plates. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh so yes, you were above the threshold yeah. <laughs>
0: required. <to bring laughs> well, and I life. give God I give God the credit for that from a genetic standpoint because even today I mean to be able to lift the weight that I do and I'm not pressing it like I used to but uh, but always having a gym in my home and you you started out I, I, on the podcast saying something about consistency. I can't remember exactly what you said but the thought that came into my mind was consistency really is the key to all long-term success. Mm. So it doesn't matter whether it's God God made us to be uh, uh, really uh, creatures of habit. Like a lot of people say, you know, whether they drink or do drugs or whatever, they say, you know, I just have a, you know, I've just got a habitual personality. Everybody does. Everybody has the capacity to have a habitual personality because here's the fact, whatever you practice over and over and over, whatever your habits are over and over and over, God intended for you to become instinctual. So it's just like instinct. Like when I told you as an athlete, it's like drinking water for me, except for golf and tennis. But anyway, it was like drinking water for me. I mean that seriously. So it was was like instinctive, but anything that you're consistent with can become instinctive and that creates what I call and others have called a habit force in your life. And a habit force in your life is when you do something over and over and over and it it takes over basically you know you don't decide to smoke the cigarette anymore the cigarette decides you're going to smoke it you don't decide when you're going to drink the drink decides when you're going to drink that's when the habit force is taken over but it's positive as well so so where we don't where where habits become bad habits is when i'm just giving my what i call superpower my superpower of 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 being able to be consistent being able to use my discipline to say, I'm gonna do this now, I'm gonna do this you know, every day, and, and again, people give that superpower to the wrong things, and so that's why there is addictions, because God created you, as crazy as it sounds, you won't read this probably in a book somewhere, but God created you with an addictive behavior. He created you to have the power to be addicted, if that makes sense.
1: Man, that is so good. I, I often talk about you become what your habits and thoughts are. So be very Ooh. intentional about those on a day-to-day basis. And and I'm big on habit stacking. So for me, yeah. I'm, I'm big on memorizing scripture. I've seen it show up in my life. I'll be doing a podcast, a speaking engagement, and I'll pull up a, a, a Bible verse that I did three years ago. I'll pull it out and it'll assist me in that moment. Right. I'll have a, you know, I'll be, with someone that's at a loss or, or whatever it may be. And I'll have these words that I don't even know where they come from. I've just yeah. stored them up inside of me. Well, for me, I'm going to brush my teeth every single morning. My, my parents made me do it. It became a good habit early right. on. And I never broke it. So I'm going to brush my teeth every morning. Okay. Well I'm going to do my memory verse with my teeth brushing. Cause I know I'm going to do that. And I know I want to memorize scripture. And so I've seen that take shape in my life and I've tried to implement as many Things as I can in your mind. So, and, and I've never heard you speak on this, and I hope, hope, uh, maybe you can give us some insight. How long do you think it takes to create a habit?
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this the it, the general rule is 21 days, but, but it's more than that. It's yeah, I like can
1: say 66.
0: Right. You, you understand this. Okay. So I'm going to speak athletic here for just sake, because here's, I have this, uh, what I call leadershipologies, and, and, uh, leadership ologies are basically ology on the end of any word is study of or philosophy of. So biology, kinesiology, psychology, well I coined the the word leadership ology or the study of, or the philosophy of leadership. So one of my leadership ologies is that the thing is never about the thing, but everything two words is about one word, everything. Mm -hmm. So what's important for us to understand is that when it comes to habits, you have to decide what side of life you're going to be on. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, in athletics, we understand in every game, doesn't matter, it's football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter what the game is, there's winners and losers. And so there's a win column and there's a lose column. And a lot of people, it's not like the question is not so much about uh, how long does it take to form a habit? It's like how long does it take you to decide you want to win? Wow. So, you know what I'm saying? So, it's not like, oh, man, this arduous self-discipline. I've got to get this. No, I want to win in life. So, how do you, how do you get people on the winning side of life? And I'll simply, you know, in football, it's the, it's, it's, there's no, and there's a defense, there's an offense, there's a playbook, there's a, there's a strategy, there's all this, okay? There's coaching, right? But really to get on the winning side of life, like if you could just, like I'm, I'm going to give you like three lines here. Win, lose. If I check, okay, I want to win, that's where you start. I want to win. What that kicks into place, next line would be, what can I control? Hmm. If If you're on the losing side of life, you're focused not on what you can control, you're focused on what you can't control. So there's controllables and there's uncontrollables. So once I decide, okay, I want to win, then what part of that win can I control? What area of my life do I want to win in? Okay, what do I need to control? People that lose, they get focused on the uncontrollables. They blame other people for their lack of success. They blame other people for where they are in life. They blame their situation and circumstance. You know, like I said, jokingly, by the way, when we started, I've always used the excuse, hey, I'm a big guy. Maybe that's why I'm not a great golfer. Bottom line is, you know why I'm not a great golfer? because I hadn't done it very much that's right. the bottom line because what's this we don't like to do what we're not naturally good at and so a lot of people get on the side of life they 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 start their life they become an adult I got to get a job they get married then all of a sudden they're on the uncontrollable side of life got to support my family got to make sure of this and they're way outside they're gifting They're way outside their what they're most talented in doing They're way outside their passion. Why? Because now they're on the uncontrollable side of life. What's this now? Because of decisions that they made that weren't calculated by whether they wanted to win or lose. They're just making decisions. And now the tail's wagging the dog. So, again, the question for me is not how long does it take to form a habit? How long does it take for you to decide if you want to win? If you want to win, here's how to win. Focus on what you can control. And then the third line would be focused on what you can do. So if you just think about that, okay, if you're gonna be on the losing side of life, you're focusing on what you can't control, you're frustrated, you're unhappy, you lose hope, you can't control it, right? And then you you, you don't do what you can do. So if I'm gonna win, then guess what's gonna happen? I'm gonna get on the side. What, what can I control? So again, back to habits, my daily disciplines. What I decide to do to discipline myself, because I'm going to give you a quick path and it's too much for us to talk about, but I'm going to go there anyway.
1: Let's hear it. I love it.
0: Everything starts with self-discipline. Everything. Everything. Okay. In other words, getting out of bed in the morning, whether you decide to get out of bed in the morning, it starts with self-discipline. Self-discipline leads to self-discovery. So a lot of people have never even gotten to discover what they're good at because their gift never became a talent. Their talent never became an ability. Their ability never became a competency. At the level of competency, so again, I'm just giving you some paths here, but at the level of competency, whatever you're really competent at doing, you should be getting monetized at that point. There's a lot of people that are competent in a lot of things, but they're not being monetized for it. So that's part of what I coach people in. Hey, let's find out what your gifts are. Let's find out what you're most passionate about let's turn those gifts into talents. You obviously became a very talented football player. How, does, how, does, how do you go from being gifted as an athlete to a talented football player? One way, self-discipline. So, so at the talent level, if somebody's talented at anything, there's been some type of discipline, or let's talk about habit, habit-forming behavior, because that's what discipline is. Discipline is taking my ability to decide what I want, what I want to do, who I want to be, and then aligning my attitudes, my beliefs, and my behaviors with that. So, here it is. Gift, talent, self-discipline, ability. At what point, okay, you're, you're on the field and you play a particular position, but what if something happens outside of your position? You go, to, hey, that's not my job. No, it doesn't matter what it is. If the ball's thrown over your head and you can jump up and intercept it in your position, or then you play defense. Did you play defense I played or offense? center? Center. Okay, you played center. Okay, I'm sorry. So, so if a defensive player, let's say that, or let's say in your in your case as a center, you you hack the ball, the quarterback fumbles it. Well, you don't go. That's on him. You're you're like, oh man, there's a fumble. You're going for it. So a talent, which 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 is based on the self discipline of a gift is developed into an ability when you take responsibility regardless of what your role or your position is on the team or in life or in marriage and then that ability becomes a competency and uh, so that's that okay but let me let me let me finish the self-discipline piece now so the way self-discipline works is if I discipline myself if I do something over and over if I'm consistent okay in making wise choices and then behaviors and attitudes i discover something it leads to self-discovery it's like wow i'm good at this well that self-discovery leads to self-confidence a lot of people struggle with their confidence eric because they haven't discovered what self-discipline can do for them so again here's the path self-discipline leads to self-discovery self-discovery leads to self-confidence self-confidence leads to self-confidence and self-confidence leads to self-mastery. That is a path for your life. It's like if I'll decide, not like, well, how long does it take to make a habit? Well, no, that's not the issue. Do I wanna win? Yes, I wanna win. How am I gonna need to discipline myself? Emotionally, discipline myself in terms of my actions, my attitudes, my behaviors, so I can get in the winning column of life. So what can I control today? And the only way that that can be used for me rather than against me is if I will do the hard work of doing what only I can do that day to make it happen. That's how great habits are developed. So that's a lot, I know, but that's that's like, bam, 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 bam. You know,
1: so. Hey, you know what? In the introduction, you got a resume that rivals anybody. You've shared the stage with some of the biggest speakers in history, people have paid tens and thousands of hundreds of dollars to work with you and you just laid it all out for all the listeners so if you got it on 1.5 speed or two the time speed <laughs> rewind it get your notebook out and take note of this cuz this is these are life-changing concepts these are Ooh. these are concepts that people pay so much money for because these are enlightening these are things that will take you to that next level in life no matter where you're at if you're uh, a mom and striving to be the best mom you could be right. best dad businessman athlete whatever it may be you got it there so you're talking about this win column would yeah. you say that your personal win column or anybody's personal win column is determined by their own core values to
0: determine what a win is for them? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's the next big question, okay? So, in other words, that's if I'm going to win, this is how I win, okay? That's what I just described. I win when I focus on what I can control. I win when I do what only I can do based on where I want to win and how I want to win. But it's also defining a win and defining a win in marriage, defining a win in your relationships, defining a win in your family, defining a win financially, defining a win professionally, on and on I could go. Defining a win is very important. And I think what, you know, there's an old church song, I don't know how long you've been in church, I know you're in church, but I don't know how long you've been in church, but there's an old church hymn that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And the magic of that old hymn is people, first of all, they haven't really, they, they want to win. Like If you ask your audience, or if you ask any room, how many of y'all want to win? Everybody raise their hand. Okay, you, you, you go to the second thing. Well, let's, let's focus on what you can control then. Let's focus on what you can do then. Let's don't be focused on what you can't control. Let's don't be focused on what you can't do that causes you to feel helpless and hopeless. So what does a win look like for you? So let me tell you what a win looks like for me. I start with six wins before my day even starts because I've defined what a win is for me. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I do, I wake up. The first thing that comes out of my mouth is my own declarations, not affirmations. That's different. It's one thing to affirm yourself. It's another thing to declare. Because I believe that your, your life will follow your mouth. And that's why it's so important what comes out of your mouth. Mm. And God formed the world with his mouth. We form our words with our mouth, okay? So the first thing I do is, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. That, I say that out loud. Second thing, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then i say to myself eric good morning precious the bible says in isaiah 43 since you are precious in my sight this is what god says about you since you're precious in my sight i've loved you now let's talk about business for a second i will give people for you and men for your life what -hmm. does that mean because you're precious to me i'll bring the right people by the way this is this is a success equation i'll bring the right people in the right place at the right time. And when those three things happen in that order, the right things always happen. So it's right people first, not right place. Like a lot of people are looking to do what to do with their career. They're looking, but when you get with the right people in the right place at the right time, the right things will always happen. So, first win for me is my declarations. Second win for me, 32 ounces of water, organic lemon juice, apple cider vinegar. I'm on my way. I take my vitamins. That's the third win. Gulp that down. Fourth win is I get on a cellucizer. The cellucizer is a little round trampoline to get my lymphatic fluid moving. It has nothing to do with cardio. I do it for 10 minutes. And the only thing you have more in your body than blood is lymphatic fluid. Most inflammation that people have is because their lymphatic fluid is not moving. The only way you can get your lymphatic fluid moving is by bouncing. So it's really interesting. But anyway, I won't go into all that because that's a subject in and of itself. That's fascinating. So I do that. I do that for 10 minutes, get my lymphatic fluid moving. Everything's moving now. All right, I call it getting into rhythm. Most people are so focused on their routine uh, that they that they don't even realize your rhythm is more important than your routine. We can talk about that another time. But that's the stuff, that's some of the stuff I teach. Don't be a person that just has your daily routines know what it is to get yourself into rhythm and then force your routines to be subject to your own personal rhythm. Anyway, too much to go into. But part of my rhythm is to get my, in my body, my rhythm, right? Get my lymphatic fluid moving. Then I do 20 minutes of hit cardio and that's when I worship the Lord. So for me, I combine spirit, soul, and body. There's very few things in your life that you can, can combine spirit, soul, and body all at the same time. For me, cardio is one of those things. I'm hitting it physically. I'm worshiping God. It's, I'm, 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 I'm entering and engaging with my emotions. And you talk about rhythm and synergy. That's before my day even starts. So those are six things that I do that guess what I've already done by the time I did whatever I decided to do that day. I've already won in six areas. Why? Because I've defined what a win looks like. So I hope that helps.
1: I'm excited to tell you about a product that I've been absolutely loving lately, and that's the Uller from ChiliPad. It is a temperature-controlled mat that goes under your sheets on your bed and controls your body temperature throughout the night. I originally heard this product endorsed by Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, David Nurse, and others, and I knew I had to give it a try. Maximizing the amount of deep sleep you get in a night is so important, especially when it's not possible at times to get a full 7 or 8 hours. ChiliPad puts you at the perfect temperature all night to promote deep sleep. When you get enough deep sleep, your learning capability is higher, your memory is stronger, you're prepared to take on your toughest workouts. In other words, you're in peak physical and mental shape after a night of true recovery. That's why finding a way to get more deep sleep is always at the top of my priority list. I will attach a link to purchase the chili pad in the show notes and use code ERIC22 at checkout to get 22% off your order. I personally use the Euler and I love it. Oh, it does completely. That that's phenomenal stuff. I actually have a fairly similar morning routine and almost two Frequently similar without us ever talking about this. I do 40 ounces of water with apple cider vinegar and lemon juice, a couple other creatine and a few different spices for the brain uh, restoration in there. I get on a Juvent vibration machine to get everything moving. So the bouncing, this is a, um, it's a micro vibration, micro shock deal. I can read my Bible on it. I can read my daily. Awesome. So it locks me in. I have to stand there. So I do so it's funny. There's so many similarities there. My win is – one of my wins is doing my daily memory verse while I'm brushing my teeth in the mirror. And yeah. You don't have to have these in your life, but having a routine that sets you up for a day-to-day to get these wins, to get these yeah. merits, to make success show up in your life. I didn't just wake up one day and I was 310 pounds, and the next day I was 250 pounds because I needed right. to play when I was done playing, but it was just daily practices. And I love – you talked about God will give you the right people at the right time. Yeah, and yeah. Through, through your mastermind courses, through the research I've been able to do, looking in, for looking from the outside, looking in. And one day I'll be on the inside looking out. But from the outside looking in, a lot of it is, a, and you talk about the importance of who you surround yourself with. Yeah. So you talk yeah. God with those, but talk about the importance of those who you surround yourself in, in your life with that will get you to those wins we talked about.
0: Yeah, well, I'll couple it with your last question that I didn't answer effectively. But so I'm going to combine both both questions. How do you get the right people in your life? This is a huge deal. Okay, how do you meet the right people? Uh, there's a common thought process, and anybody can Google this or DuckDuckGo, whatever you use. You can you can search this. But you're basically six degrees of separation from meeting everybody. So how or or anybody. That you want to meet. You're basically six people from meeting anybody you want to meet. So, so when you understand the importance of alignment, let me just answer it this way: Jesus said this: He said, if big if now, any two of you, he didn't say which two, he said, if any two of you agree as touching anything, he doesn't tell us who it has to be, he doesn't tell us what the thing is we need to agree on, but if any two of you agree is touching anything on earth my father in heaven will do it in other words what god what jesus is saying is god will add his super to your natural if you can just find the right people to come into alignment with so how do you find the right people uh general westmoreland who led our military uh in world war ii basically was the he he led all the people in the field he went to uh a group of paratroopers one time, and I love this story because, um, he, you know, to be a paratrooper, you had to sign up, you know, what, you weren't just an enlisted man. So I want to be a paratrooper. Well, you had to, you had to decide you wanted to work harder, right. And, and, and jump out of airplanes and crazy stuff like that. So, so anyway, all the paratroopers were lined up. Here comes general Westmoreland. So he gets to the first guy and he says, he said, why did you decide to become a, a, a paratrooper soldier? He said, because I like to jump. He goes to the next guy. Why would you decide to become a paratrooper, soldier? He said, because I like to jump. Gets to the third guy, true story. He goes, why would you decide to become a paratrooper? He said, because I like to be around people who like to jump. (laughs) So it doesn't matter if you like to jump or not. It's like, hey, I can get around like the right people. And guess what? My life can go to another level, even if I personally don't like it. I just like to be around people who like it. See what I'm saying? In other right. words, that, that, how, do you get, how do you get right alignments? One more quick story. In the book called Uncommon Friends that I read many, many years ago, I discovered that Henry Ford didn't become the number one car manufacturer in the world uh, by himself. In fact, he had two best friends. One of his best friends was a guy you may have heard of named Thomas Edison. Right. Another guy that's one of his best friends is a lesser known guy, Harvey Firestone. Well, so in, when, when, when Henry Ford was launching his Ford motor car for the first time, guess how many car companies there were in America? 256. <laughs> wow. 256 car companies saying, we want the public to buy our cars. He thought, what, what could be a differentiator for me? So he goes to his friend Thomas Edison and says, one of the things you could differentiate would be the kind of ride there is on a vehicle. How could we think about that? He said, let me talk to my friend Harvey. So if you go to Thomas Edison's estate today in Edison, New Jersey, you'll see rubber trees planted everywhere. They went all over the world in search for rubber trees that they could vulcanize into rubber and give Henry Ford the advantage of having a car that nobody else had with tires, rubber tires, wow. that's how he became number one Wow that's so again, important. the alignments how do you find right alignments? Another part of that story is, and again, this is all history, but uh Thomas Edison's laboratories where he invented stuff, burnt to the ground, literally, he and his wife were walking in the embers after it had burnt all night. It was early in the morning, all of a sudden, their friend Henry Ford comes rolling up and his. You know, model T Ford, you know, he gets out of the car and he said, Tom, how, how much you think it's gonna to cost to rebuild it? He goes, I have no idea, Henry. He said, Maybe He Pulls out his checkbook, writes him a check. <laughs> that's when you get in the right alignments, that's what happens. So how does it happen? How do you find the right people so that you can be in the right place so the right time can happen? so that you can be ensured that you that right things are going to happen. Here's the way you do it with core values. Mm. You see, people fall in love, which I don't have time to talk about that, but people fall in love and then they fall out of love. Cause if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. But when you align your life with somebody who they're, what matters most matters most to you. It's the breeding ground for love. And you'll never fall out of love because you never fell into love. Why? Because it's your core values that are your bond. So the greatest, so I'll say this to you at 34, because you're about half my age. I wish I had known the concept of what to call it earlier, but I lived it earlier. In my book, you may have seen when I was 15, I'd moved to a new town, Slido, Louisiana. Long story short, we'd grown up in Dallas my whole life. My dad was a Dallas policeman. Then all of a sudden we're moving to Slidell, Louisiana. I'd never even heard of it. 1975. I get there. First day I'm there, basketball coach says, you play basketball. I was 6'3 at that time, sophomore in high school, weighed about 165 pounds wet. I've always joked and said I was so skinny that if I turned sideways, I looked like a zipper. I mean, I was skinny, okay? <laughs> but, but I was tall. And he, I, he, I said, yeah, I play basketball. He said, well, it was my first day in town. He said, Come to our game tonight. We're playing the Salmon Spartans, Slido Tigers, Salmon Spartans. So I go sit on the sidelines of the game. I'm I'm sitting next to the coach. I'm not dressed out. It's my first day in town. He's just talking to me because already I was one of the biggest guys on the team at 6'3 in high school, right? You know what that's like.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, and so we're talking. All of a sudden, I look across the the court and I see this girl. She's cheering. So I turned to the guy next to me, and I said, who is that? He said, well, she, she's going steady. That's what we called it back then. She's going steady with the guy, but there's one right down there that looks just like her on the other end of the court. There were twins. I'm sitting there, I'm going, I can't believe this, man. So I'm looking, and I thought, one's taken, one is mine. That was my thought process. I'm like, I'm going to meet this girl. my first day in town, Eric birthday. day. Right. We go we to McDonald's that night. Long story short, she's sitting with all her little cheerleader friends, I walked right up to her, I didn't look at them, looked her right in the eye and I said, hey, would you like a Dr. Pepper? I won't go into the whole story, but anyway, that night she had her first Dr. Pepper. I went over to her house that night, that night, first night in town, that night, I invited myself over to her house. We're sitting on her parents' Ethan Allen, light blue, French provincial couch. And I said, I just wanna tell you something. She goes, okay. I said, I'm a born again, spirit-filled Christian. She goes, what? She didn't say anything. She got up and walked out of the room. I thought, well, I've taken my stand for God. You know, that's what I was thinking. Cause mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to know. Like, this is who I am. It's the first thing that came out of my mouth. I'm getting up, getting ready to walk out of her house when her and her mother come walking back in. Her mother said, so you're a born-again spiritual Christian? I said, I stuck up my chest. I didn't have it. I said, yes, I am. She goes, that's so wonderful. We've been believing God for somebody that our daughter could be friends with. And out loud, I said, I'm here right here it was like it was like i'm thinking man i'm answered a prayer you know we sit down we start one month later one month later eric i asked you to be my girlfriend january 20th 1976 i said i want to ask you to be my girlfriend but before you say anything i want to tell you what my philosophy on relationships are so this is my first leadership seminar For real, I just turned 16 January 9th, met her when I was 15, one month before, just turned 16. I took out a piece of paper and I drew a triangle. And I put her name on the left, my name on the right, God at the top, drew two arrows. And I said, here's what I believe about relationships. If you'll be your best for God and I'll be my best for God, we'll meet at the top. And then I drew an arrow between our names. And I said, and I believe that whatever we decide to do, that God will put his hand on it if we're both seeking God. I said, what do you think about that? She goes, I think that's wonderful. I go, okay, well, there's something else. She goes, what? And I go, I go well, again, people get divorced because they decide it can't work and they walk away. Now, here I'm 16, okay? She's right. 15. And I said, let's don't be those kind of people that just walk away. There's a scripture in the Bible, I, and I, you know, it's in Ephesians 4. I said, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give your enemy a foothold. Mm-hmm. I said, so if we're going to like be in a dating relationship, just promise me that you won't walk away from me. And God gives you 24 hours to deal with any kind of anger. And I said, to me, that's what's wrong in the world is that people get angry and they stay angry. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your anger and give your enemy a foothold. I said, so I believe that the enemy has a foothold in a lot of people's lives because they stay angry more than 24 hours. I said, so if you're going to be my girlfriend, would you commit to talk? things out in a 24-hour period she goes well yeah i like to talk i said no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about really deciding let's live by the bible like let's resolve our anger she goes she goes she goes okay yeah i mean i like that i said well here's the thing i said if you say yes today's january 20th and i said i'm going to honor you on this day every month for as long as we're together. So she did, she was, what does that mean? I said, I don't know what it means yet, but I'm going to honor your yes. So long story short, we went to high school together. We went to college together. I played basketball. She was the cheerleader through all of those eight years. And then I waited a year after we got out of college. We got married. Today, we've been married. Now, listen to this. I don't count the years. She counts the years. I count the months because on the 20th, of every month, which by the way, today is the 19th. So tomorrow we will celebrate 532 months together, tomorrow on the 20th. Also on my Porsche, I have on the license plate 20th. You know why? Because in every aspect of my life, and I say Porsche, cause I like cars. I, I have the 20th on there. Nobody knows what it means except me, because on the 20th, that's how I honor her every month and still do to this day. So 532 months later. Now I share that with you not to go, Oh, listen to how I am with my wife. I share that because your question was about core values and how do you know, you know, who the right people are and how you get a relationship with the right kind of people. Honor was a core value that I had then. And that I have today conflict resolution. Let's, let's just don't be angry people. We live in an angry world, Eric. People are mad. You don't agree with what they agree with. If your issue is not their issue, they're mad about it. And they want to tell you they're mad about it. Why? Because they have no conflict resolution strategy. So they just want their own way. That was a core value that I had. And then excellence. Sheila, let's be our best for God. And if you'll commit to that with me, whatever we decide to do, and I drew that other error, God will work that out. That's how, I've, that's how I have a great marriage. Not, what's this? Not because I couldn't have loved another woman, but because I shared such similar values, it incubated the love that we have today. Now with five grandchildren, I raised my family with core values. It it was honor because we didn't want dishonor. It was positive attitude because we didn't want negative attitude because nothing positive happens when you're negative. It was excellence because we don't want mediocrity in any area. It was generosity because we don't want to be selfish people. And it was leadership because we don't want anything normal. So my kids were raised with that. My son has our family crest. He's 33 years old, has our family crest with our core values tattooed on his body. And our family mission statement that reads, never allow the good to be Robert of the best. That's how important core values are. And that's how you get the right people in the right place at the right time in your life so the right things can happen. I know that was a lot, but that kind of gives you the basis for it, you know?
1: Dude, there is so much gold in there, so much gold. Aligning (laughs) yourself with people, only six degrees of separation. It's funny. I hear Keith on a podcast. I read his book and I'm just floored by it ask for an introduction and here we are face to face, you know, a month or so later. And, and I say that, I know people will say, well, you're a professional athlete there. You know what, honor someone, uplift someone on their social media, you know, give them a compliment in their messages. See how close you can get to them through social media is making everybody accessible nowadays. Yeah,
0: I, I recorded And, I, a- and unfortunately it's, it's used for such dishonor. Think about that. Right. It's used in such a dishonorable way to dishonor people. But what you're saying, Eric, is so true. Because again, this is, this is a success gold nugget for everybody. Whatever you honor, I promise you'll attract. Mm-hmm. Whatever you dishonor, you'll distract or you'll retract out of your life. So if you, can, if, if you can learn honor, and this is what Jesus taught. You know, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all these other things would be added unto you. And so what what he's teaching is the principle of honor. It's like put God first. Put God first with your finances. Put God first with your heart, with your life. Put God first and do your life his way. That's what righteousness means. Not do more right than good, but just like seek to do your marriage and your life and your family like God wants you to do it. And he said all these other things. What things that matter to you will come to pass? like that's that's a promise so what you just said i just want to affirm that in you about honor is it works 100 percent it works every time so
1: this episode is also brought to you by punched energy chews and these have become a favorite product of mine for energy and fitness they use a patented formula with tons of scientific studies and they start with pure green arabica coffee bean caffeine it improves your physical and mental performance increases your metabolism Helps burn calories and body fat, and they also help boost your immunity, which is very important at this time because they're a great source of vitamin C. They're also ultra low glycemic, no spikes, no bounces, and no crashes. What you're going to do is go to punchedenergy.com, use code ERICWOOD20 for 20% off. Give them a try. Link in the show notes. So good. So good, brother couple things, and then we'll get to recurring questions. I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. You're a phenomenal public speaker. You did secular public speaking. Before you became a pastor, you've shared some of these biggest stages. For those out there looking to improve their speaking skills, you might be talking to one right now. What advice would you have for those individuals?
0: Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, who you are as a person is more important than anything you'll ever say. And where the enemy of our soul, the devil himself, where he attacks every person the most, is the same way he attacked Jesus. And how did he attack Jesus? We call it the greatest temptation, Luke four and Matthew four. How did he come to Jesus with a big if? He said, "If you really are the Son of God." Mm -hmm. So, if you really are Eric Woods, for real. If you really are Keith Craft. If you really are, in other words, if you really are, then that's where the temptation starts. So the more assured or what I call god that you are in who you are, it will cause you to be more effective on any platform, whether you're the speaker or whether it's just your presence in the room. Why is that? Because here's what the devil knows that people don't know. Second Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of fear. timidity or let me say it a different way insecurity a lot of people struggle with insecurity because they're measuring themselves against somebody else they're evaluating themselves based on what other people have said so let me pause right here and say this well I'll finish the scripture God hasn't given us a spirit of fear timidity insecurity but of power and love and of a sound mind or the ability to be self-disciplined God has a sound mind means God has given me the ability to choose, and then once I choose to win, then I align everything on that side of the winning column so that I will win. That's the self-discipline piece. Okay. So what we've got to understand is that that the enemy wants to keep you focused on what you're not, what you can't do, rather than what you can do. He wants you to be focused on. Comparing yourselves to other people, even in your own industry, but it certainly it starts in your own family. If you weren't the firstborn, if you weren't the boy, if you weren't the girl, if you weren't the lastborn, whatever it was, whatever it is. Okay, so it starts very early. What starts early? The enemy trying to convince you that you're not all that. And so God does not want you to lack in confidence or what I call god So that's the first thing that I would say. Well, we just talked about it a minute ago. How do you develop your self-confidence? Self-discipline leads to self-discovery. Self-discovery leads to self-confidence. So if somebody says, I need more confidence, go back to discipline. Yep. And then you'll discover, hey, wow, here's who I am. So the first thing, again, is know who you are. And, and decide that you want to be the best you that you can be. Not just the best version of yourself. You hear a lot about that. Be the best version of yourself. People don't even know what that means. No, just be the best. That's what I was saying to Sheila when I drew the arrows. Hey, you be your best for God. Not better than anybody else. but And I'll be my best for God, and we'll meet at the top. And then God will work out whatever else that we're not best at, right? But we live in such a competitive. I mean, you, you live competing for, for, for a living. That's what you did. You, you right. competed. So that's deep in our psyche. That's where we, again, that's where people get messed up with the win and loss column is because if somebody's better than them or had a better game than them or a better season than them or a better privilege than them, then all of a sudden they're on the losing side of life. Rather than just say, no, 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 wait, I can't control that, but what I can control is what I can do right so so that's what i would say first thing yeah, about the difference
1: angry, between competing with yourself and comparing your comparing yourself to others
0: exactly in other words competing with your natural defaults and what in your greatness mm-hmm. my natural defaults are a result of my personality what makes me angry how i act in any given situation my personality there's natural defaults that come with that but a life by design is when you decide you want to pursue greatness while acknowledging, yes, I've got weaknesses. Yes, I've got defaults. I've got things that I'm not that great at, but guess what? I'm pursuing. I press, Paul said, toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And so, so again, it's knowing who you are. And of course, I would recommend everybody that doesn't have a relationship with God to enter a relationship with God. Open your mind to a relationship with God because when you know God, you can begin to really know who you are because you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You're made in his image. You're blessed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That's never changed. So literally, when you came out of the womb, every person, you're blessed by God to be fruitful. That whatever you sow is what you reap. You're blessed to multiply in good things, not bad things. You're blessed to take dominion through your own self-discipline. You're blessed to rule and reign. Again, so I would encourage everybody to know God. And, 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 and therefore know themselves. But then the other thing is to have command of your content. So as a public speaker, one of the things that you, that you can do, and what I encourage my kids to do even when they were young, is decide what your life message is. Like if you had a life message, what would your life message be? Well, one of my life messages is that. It's your divine fingerprint. It's like that was I got that revelation when I was 14 years old that I had a fingerprint that nobody else had to leave an imprint that nobody else could leave. I, and I got that in church, by the way, it's like, Hey, I've got a fingerprint and you do too. Every person does. Nobody has ever, ever seen a you, you know, I call it the deposit of God's glory in you that the world has never seen that you have to discover, you have to develop, you have to deploy that, but, but it's to leave an imprint everywhere you go because of this unique fingerprint that you have. Okay. So that's all But you've read my book. That's what my book is about is how to discover, develop, and deploy that unique 1% that you have in your DNA. There's only a 1% that separates everybody that ever has been born. It's been proven. You can go look at it. Whether it's Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, greatest athletes of all time. It doesn't matter who they are. Tom Brady, good grief, man. Come on. It's like, what? I was cheering for him just because I'm that guy, Mike. I'm like fighting it, man. I'm fighting to stay in the game, so to speak. But again, it transcends genetics if people knew his self-discipline, right? But it's like, okay, what am I gonna do with my fingerprint? What kind of mark am I gonna make with my imprint? So again, having command of your content and command of your content as a public speaker is to know in any given situation, what is my life lesson or what is my life message based on my life lessons that, that, that with my kids, I said, I want you to develop three things that if I call on you and I say, hey, I just want you to talk about, talk, talk about your life message, that they'd be able to give a five minute speech on their life message based on what? Who they are. And furthermore, who they are in God. So that's what I would say to every public speaker is don't don't just develop a message that you think people want to hear. Get secure in who you are. And know what your life message is based on who you are, based on your experiences, and, and put a life lesson with that so that the world can benefit from your life message that has only come through your unique experiences. So I hope that helps. I mean I could keep going, but that's that,
1: that helps tremendously. And- Three years ago, God gave me my life message, and it's showing awesome. up now in a bigger way than ever as people are in a moment of transition. As my career ended, I hit a transition, not by anything that I did. You know, I was playing a physical game. Sure. But it hit me out of nowhere, and it was nothing I did. I didn't get cut by the bills. They extended my contract. Yeah. They wanted me to play that next season. I had more job security than anyone else in the team. I was the only one that played all the snaps. Yeah. But by getting that rug pulled out from under me, it's allowed me a voice now with all these people because of COVID who've got the rug pulled out of them. They've lost loved ones. Right. they've lost businesses for doing nothing wrong. These restaurant right. owners have done nothing wrong other than right. that they lived through a pandemic and they operated yeah. a business. So I've been able to speak to people and it's become my life message. And for the longest time, I would tell people, you know, I just developed a relationship with Christ through. Right an FCA director at Louisville. Now I grew up Catholic. I was in the church, but through an FCA director at Louisville who originally started mentoring me and showing me what a relationship with Christ looked like through Christian buddies, through great role models that I was just introduced to. God aligned them in my path. I prayed for them, but God aligned them in my life. Well, for the longest time it was, I don't really have this crazy story. It just kind of happened, you know? Right. Well, boom, in 2017, start of 2018, God said, Here's your story, Eric. Share your story. I've always given you the gift of gab. What do you like to do? Tell us a story. <laughs> story, bud. Go go hang out with your buddies and do it on podcast forums. Do it in speaking engagements. So but I but I truly appreciate that because for me, I like to master any craft, no pun on the name. But share any, anything I get into. You you mentioned my golf swing, and you say people don't like to do what they're not good at. Well, I like to compete and there's not a whole lot I can do still, but I got a lot of buddies that golf. So I say, okay. I'm going all in on this golf deal. Right, and I might stink, but I put a golf simulator in my basement, and while it's cold and snowy in Louisville, I'm going to catch your butts, and I'm going to come after you this spring. And so, yeah. you know, no, you,
0: no, you know, it's you know funny as I was looking on your Instagram, and uh, on the one where, where it's like looks like snow or something, and you're golfing, and I, I, I bet I watched it 25 times because I go, okay, I can learn from his golf swing because he's a tall guy. Right. So I was I, I was watching what you were doing with your hips, with your feet with your swing. I mean, isn't that funny though, is that how we are, right? We're gonna like learn. Like I'm gonna learn, that guy's my size, so I'm gonna like learn what he's doing, you know? But just that that thought process, and I think that's the other thing. If I could add one more thing. Absolutely. It's like, and, and by the way, just with, with, with your message, let me let me say something about your message. People may not be in transition in their own life right now, but you're always gonna be in transition. Yes. You'll never be out of transition. So the fact that you have that life message, and again, it was more by default maybe than by design, but the bottom line is you've designed what happened to you by default. It wasn't your choice, but you've designed that. Just that piece is like, what are you going to do? Because everybody's going to have to deal with this. When something happens that either ends a career, ends a marriage, ends a relationship, or worst case scenario, there's a death, you've got a choice to make. Like, 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 so that becomes a part of your message. And the choice is, am I going to, am I just going to quit? Am I going to go the other way? Am I going to, or is this, is this a new opportunity to ask myself the question, what's next? Like when I saw that with your, your, uh, podcast, I thought, here, here's the thought that came to me. It's actually one of my leadership apologies, but it's, it's why not make your next thing the best thing. Yes. Asking yourself that question, because there is going to be a next. Why not? Like asking yourself the question. Make your next thing the best thing. We have, but this is what should, No, no. Here's, here's what happens, by the way, um, with all growth. If I can just talk about growth for a minute. Absolutely. And again, I, I teach in triads, just like I did with Sheila when I drew that triangle. So if you can picture on the left side change, everybody's going to have change. They're, they don't like it. They're going to have change. On the right-hand side of the triangle is conflict. So with all change comes conflict. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's why people hate change, by the way. It's like, I don't want the, they they don't describe it like this, but I don't want the conflict with change. I can remember way, way back, 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 back. I'm talking about like in the 60s when we had roll-up windows, you know. I can't tell you how many people I knew that 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 roller deal that rolled up their window broke off. And they would put a crescent wrench on that little, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> did you ever see that? I mean, I know you're young, but, but, and, and people would just leave it that way because something broke and rather than fix it, they would just leave it broken. That's mm-hmm. what happens in a lot of people's lives. That thing that happened to you, there was a part of your heart that was broken. It's like, man, I'm at the top of my game. I'm The fear, the, all the things that came, came as a result of change that was forced upon you. Then there's conflict, but watch this. If I understand that conflict, like we understand this because we lift or we work out, the whole deal with, with weightlifting, bodybuilding, whatever you want to call it. I've never really been a bodybuilder, so I'm a weightlifter. But, uh, but when you pick up a weight, like if I want to build my biceps, I pick up a weight strategically for that muscle. I do an exercise strategically for that muscle. And so the way a muscle grows is the same thing, is the same way people grow. And that is, I force blood into that muscle. The only thing that does that is resistance or conflict. That's what happens with conflict. People don't realize no, no, no. This conflict is a type of resistance that's actually going to perpetuate your growth if you'll respond to it and not react to it. See, there's two, there's two things we do in life when change happens. We either react, we're out of control. Again, uncontrollable side, we're on the losing side of, of, of life when we do that. Or we respond and decide, okay, here's what I can control. I'm going to put a golf simulator in my basement. I'm still going to compete on some level. And guess what? There's, there's some satisfaction that comes with that, that you don't just give into something that you couldn't control. So very powerful
1: no absolutely yeah and in that what's next moment yeah and, and you you put it perfectly uh, the way you said it, you know, I often say, your present becomes better your your current state in this transition and anxiety becomes better when your future vision, your dream is bigger than your past, so yeah. I had this n f l career for for you, you had this business, whatever it may be, yeah. what's your future dream dream yeah. something put it, put it out there, put it out yeah. there, yeah. Put it out there for God to see, the universe, whatever you believe. Put it out there, and then go chase after it. And, and then yeah. your current circumstances are going to be better. Brother, this has been absolutely phenomenal. We're going to knock out a few re- uh, recurrent questions. And okay. We'll start off. What's your favorite book besides your divine fingerprint or the other books you've re- uh, written or the Bible?
0: Yeah. Well, you see this all back here? This is yes. this is Some people have a cave. This is a cave. All right. But this is where the magic happens for me. Uh, it's hard to tell the scale of this room in this picture, but there's basically about 10,000 books in this room. Okay. So I have books on every category that I want mastery in. So just think about that for a minute, like, like financial books, relationship books, Self-help books, Mm -hmm. of course, theology books, this whole side, this whole section over here, which is as big as that section is just theology and books like that. Okay. Um, Books on great people's lives. One of the, one of the, one of the things that you need to understand about when you read a book, the reason readers are leaders is because when you read somebody else's book, you are absolutely reading the best part of it. Mm -hmm. You're reading the result of their life experiences. You know, just because you have experiences in life doesn't mean you're experienced. You're experienced based on your experiences when you've learned your life lessons. If you don't learn your life lessons, then you have to take another lap. That's what happens to a lot of people. They They get out of a marriage, for instance, and they think it's all this person. It's all them. Here's what they did. And they don't really do, hey, I was a part of that and here's a fact wherever you go there you are so whatever cause whatever part of you that was a part of that not working if you take that into your next marriage it'll end the same way because at the at the end of the day I take responsibility for me I don't post blame you know I don't you know I blame I, I do what I call blaming effectively like if something bad happens to me I blame that person or that situation for helping me learn something new and learn something better. You know what I mean? Right. So anyway, um, so, so I, it's, it's hard for me to answer the question. Give, give, me favorite, give me your favorite finance book. Uh, you know, probably as, as far as a cohesive, like one book that I would recommend is Tony Robbins' book that he did on money. Uh, his most—it's his most recent book. I can't—the I, the name of it. I can't think. rob's right top about, but he basically interviewed the greatest money minds in the world, and so, I, I, like I said, I can't recall the name of the book right now. But it's Tony Robbins' book on wealth or on money is is one of the greatest recent ones that I've that I've read. Uh, you know, here, here, let me tell you some of my favorite authors. That might help. Yeah, so everything Zig Ziglar's ever written, I've consumed. Everything Og ever wrote, I consumed. From a spiritual standpoint, everything that Max Licato has ever written, I've consumed. Everything John Maxwell has ever taught, I've shared the saves with John Maxwell many times, uh, I've consumed. In other words, if you're attracted to a certain type of of more than genre, a certain author, um, I started reading Zig Ziglar when I was 15 years of age. Well, I never dreamed that I would share the platform with him 30 times a year for 13 years. Whoa. But my point is, whatever you're attracted to and you honor that, what we talked about before, if you honor that person, if you honor that message, guess what? God just may, you're attracted to it for a reason. There may be an alignment there in the future if you'll just stay open for that. And so that's what I would say. So so again, um I, have, I could go on and on, but that, I have many favorite, many, many favorite authors and any, any author that I really resonate with I buy everything that they've written.
1: So I do the same thing, you know, early on, I got into Malcolm Gladwell books. I've got John yep. Gordon books. I got Max Lucado books. I got Kyle Liedemann books, I've yep. got a, but it's funny. You said that it's it, it's crazy how many, how many things you've said during this podcast that have shown up in my life and I, I've seen the fruit of it, but I bought every John Gordon Brook. He spoke to the bills at one point and yeah. I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, the energy bus was one of the first books that I read that I didn't have to read. And he yeah. said, Oh, I appreciate that. Well, 10 years later, I start a podcast and I reach out to him. One of the top best-selling authors, one of the top speakers out there. And he gives me 40 minutes of his time right. during a hot speaking circuit. Right, Because I honored him. When he came to right. the Bills, I honored him, shook his hand, looked him That's in the eye, told him, hey, I'm a fan. And it's, it's little things like that, those little alignments. You don't know when they're going to pay off. That was 10
0: years later. Yeah. That was when I reached yeah, so, by the way, he's, he's a dear friend of mine, too. So, yeah, he, anyway. What a, um, yeah. Guy.
1: What was your first car? I know your car guy. What was your first car?
0: Oh, my goodness. A 69 Mustang with a 351 Cleveland. Ooh. And uh, I'm just saying, back in the day, it was the car. I mean, it was the car. Uh, the 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 car that I just finished. Uh, and this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but I promise you, it's not. I'll show I'll I'll show you pictures of it at another time. But I just got it back this week in Texas with all this crazy weather that's going on as as of this recording. But as this 1970 Chevelle, and I put an LT4 uh, Z06 Corvette engine in it. And for real, it might be the nicest one in the world. I mean, it's, it sounds like an exaggeration, but I just know cars. And so that's, that's my newest and latest, greatest creation, you know.
1: That's incredible. All right, last one. What's next for Keith Craft?
0: What's next for me? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in a, a transition. Uh, my children all work with me, uh, both in my businesses, mastermind, personal coaching, but also in my church. All of them are pastors with me, and that's what I feel like is, is my wife wrote a book called Live Your Legacy that's very, very powerful, and uh, it's really our story of our, of our family. I wanted to create a table, Eric, where anybody in my family, that there would be room at the table for them if they wanted to be a part of it, and sure enough, they all want to be a part of it, so, and again, that's a great family culture. That's the core values-based culture that's, you know, investing in them, telling them what we do. I want us to do together. So my son is running our church staff now, which empowers me to do my masterminds, both in person, online, elite couples mastermind, other elite masterminds, and then personal coaching, which I take one week a, uh, a month and just do personal coaching as well. And so uh, what's next for me is to really focus on, I would say over the next four years, when I'm 65, to uh, have a great transition with my son. I'll always work, in the church and with the church, but uh, I want to be able to do more um, in this space that I'm in right now, and um, and that's what I'm that's what I'm focused on.
1: Man, I love it! I love how you pour into so many others. I love how you get your family involved with the business as well. The business, the church, churches are yeah. business. As I introduce pastors, a lot of times I'm like. This guy could be the CEO of so many different businesses, and the, fa- yeah. and the fact of the matter is, he manages more employees than most CEOs. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and two, not just that, but it's the it's the volunteer staffs. So, I mean, we have uh, over twenty two hundred people who serve in our church, and so you're leading a non-paid uh, organization to serve the lives of other people. You know, so.
1: Absolutely incredible. Keith, I can't thank you enough for your time here today. Your words, your sermons, your book has impacted my life without us ever meeting face to face. And I, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Your words impacted me. So I know they'll impact so many others out there. Get his book, Your Divine Fingerprint. I promise you it is an incredible read and the stories in it will make you laugh. They'll inspire you. Um, Keith, obviously has shared the stage with some of the world's best because we talked at the very, to bring it full circle, you talked about an integrative life. He has the ability to take an integrative approach to all the stuff that he's read, have core values that are based in Christianity and put it across in a way that will elevate you in your life. Check out his sermons and and dig in on this guy. Rewind this whole deal, get your (laughs) back out and and take more notes because this is stuff that will truly change your life. Keith, I can't thank you enough, brother.
0: Well, thank you, Eric. And you know, if they want more information, keithcraft.org or elevatelife.com. So that's great. So I'd, I'd love to be able to serve uh, your audience any way I can. So, Keith, thank you so much, brother. God bless. Thank you.
1: Throughout my NFL career, I worked with many custom clothing companies. Guys would come from around the country and set up shop in our facility and try and sell us clothes, and no one has compared to someone I work with locally in Louisville, Jordan Yoakum with Tom James. He is an expert concierge that can save you time. You know, I don't even have a full-time job right now, and it's hard for me to go to the mall and pick out clothes or to order something online, and it generally doesn't fit, and then I either got to go get it tailored or me and my wife got to go send it back. Put an end to that. Jordan works within a 100-mile radius of Louisville, Kentucky, and he will come to you with the clothes, and it's great. You can contact Jordan at j.yocum at tomjames.com or visit the website tomjames.com for more info. Let Jordan create a game plan with you for your wardrobe, just like we did preparing for NFL defenses, but instead of attacking defenses, you'll be attacking your next business meeting, wedding, or derby event in style. The cutoff for Derby Week clothing is March 15th. That's j.yocum, Y-O-C-U-M, at tomjames.com. And when you contact Jordan, make sure you tell him Eric Wood sent you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or with your followers on social media. Also, shoot us a rating and support the sponsors whose information is in the show notes. Until next time, as I tell my daughter before she leaves for school every day, spread some joy and make it the best day ever.